The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. My name is Matt Sohn. I was a camera operator, I was a director of photography, and I was a director of the TV show The Office. Hello, one and all. Thank you for joining me on another episode of The Office Deep Dive. It is so great to have you here. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, today we are diving deeper into our Camera as Character mini-series with a conversation with my dear, dear friend, Matt Sohn. Matt was hired by Randall Einhorn as his camera operator starting in season one, and then Matt went on to replace Randall as our director of photography, and then eventually, just like Randall, became a big-time director. In fact, he's so big, I had to travel to New York to conduct this interview, which I would not do for just anyone. Let's be clear. And speaking of New York, in my conversation with John Krasinski, who I also spoke to in New York, I explained that Matt and I had a very special relationship on set. As I told John, I thought of it like a quarterback and a wide receiver where Matt would give me a nod and I'd know he was going to toss the camera to me for a button or a look of some kind. And when I told John this, as you may recall, John ripped me apart for saying that. But let's just say, in this interview, I get fully vindicated. So take that, Mr. Krasinski. Um, in addition to being the quarterback to my wide receiver, Matt is an all-around fantastic guy. And he shared so many wonderful insights about what made our show truly special. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with the very wise, always correct, never wrong, John Matson. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. 
bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning Left over from the night before I was just reading your text messages. How are you, buddy? Good, my oh, good to see you. You look way, way less haggard than Randall. <laughs> Randall's got this whole beautiful thing it's happening. It's like, uh, it's, he's got, I think he's trying to emulate Larry Charles, right? With the beard? No, you look very, I mean, look, there. you've got a directing shirt. Actually, I remember that about you. That was well. That was my differences. Yeah, when on set you used to change wardrobe. Well, I, for my directing. Yeah, yes. when you directed, that was, you that would was dress a, up. That I, was your yeah. signature thing. Well, no, it was so people would look at me a little differently than Why? the jeans and the because I would get judged, man. No, I mean you it never wouldn't. were Paul Feig, though. Of course not. Um, are you comfortable? Are you? You need to. I noticed that we're just anything? jumping right into this. No, we're I don't just wanna, chatting. Are we? Because yeah. it doesn't seem like yeah, it. What do you mean? I wanted just to say hello. I know. We're saying hello. There's, no, there's nothing. No one has any control over us. Yeah. Um, it's very good to see you. As nice always. See you. It's, it's been, been too long. Yeah, that's that's I, usually the case these days. I saw Jen Salata. We, I talked with her last week in Los Angeles. Oh, did you interview her? And I love her. She's awesome. I love her. Well, and we keep in touch. So I do you? I, yeah. Oh, good for yeah. you. Well, it's interesting because Jen and my daughter have a relationship because my daughter's now 13. Right. Both my kids were born during our time on the office. I know. Which is shocking. I sent, what was it? Was it, was it, was it, it was my, a that was bar, mitzvah. bar mitzvah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So she's, that she's was, a big fan of the show now. She, uh, it's it's so funny because she's a, both my kids my my son has just started watching it okay and and so both of them are huge fans and and it was great to watch her see the show for the first time because she was like wait it's Mindy it's oh, right. it's BJ it's you know all the people that were over for our Halloween parties and that she had no concept of and then she was like wait I didn't know I didn't realize that right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my son likes to tell people that, you know, he was on an episode of The Office. Who was it? Who was he again? So I think it was Baby Shower. Okay. Greg asked both Mike Schur and I if we could bring our babies to set. Okay. Because Steve needed to hold a couple babies. Right. And our wives are in the background of the shot <laughs> and and the kids michael's michael's holding the two babies and you see uh mike sure's wife and you see my wife kind of in the background behind it that's so cool yeah so my son my 11 year old son likes to to make the point that he was on the office oh my gosh that is crazy yeah it's funny so you um let's go back to early 2000s you are well you did the first two apprentices is that right I, season one and two i did and survivor i did now when was survivor was that early survivor, survivor was before okay survivor was was before the apprentice and then before survivor was eco challenge the adventure race okay now that you shot with randall I think Australia was like the third season of the Eco Challenge, and that's where Randall. That's where Randall and I. So you found Randall met. in no, a br bush not, not, in not, Australia. I, I would say Mark Burnett found him, and you were a camera operator. I was a camera operator, and then uh, I started DPing reality stuff. I was DPing documentaries. I was uh, doing low budget movies. So how did you get hooked up with the folks from the office? That was all Randall. Randall. Yeah, Randall got hired. I think Randall had some kind of relationship or knew or got to know Ben Silverman. Ben Silverman, yes. And then I think it was Ben that brought him in. And because Randall and I knew the dance and, you know, he was planning to operate. He wanted somebody that understood it, brought me in. And, uh, yeah, we did it together. Now, when you say do the dance, what do you mean? So when... 
with the particular style of show, because it was a, a mockumentary documentary. It was what we did in the bush, you know, for Survivor, for whatever. And, and your storytelling from behind the camera, you're finding everything that you need to, to, to find. And a lot of the times you're by yourself, so you need to make it look like there are multiple cameras covering a scene and you're you're having to react quickly you know to catch the moments i think that was sort of what was brought into the style of of the office i mean it existed in the style of the sure. original version but i think we kind of honed it down it was something that randall and i did anyway for our reality and documentary stuff so when you're shooting documentary reality type stuff is anybody prompting you about what to get or in theory, there's a producer out there, but a lot of times when someone talks in your ear, it's more of an annoyance. It's right. it's all about having instincts and listening and being able able to kind of edit things within your head and understand what shots you need to tell the story. Interesting. And on the show, you had earpieces on, on the office, at least part of the time. And I remember now you guys yanking them out. Now, why, wh who was talking to you on the office? Well, it depends upon when, when you ask that question, because okay. there, there would be times where, you know, we had, I think we had the smallest camera department in all of Hollywood. It was, you know, it was Randall, myself, it was Chris, it was Ed for the first season, first two seasons. I think we had a dit and the theory with a, a dit with the, they would, it, uh, roll the iris. They would control things. But the problem is, is that Randall and I kind of did all that ourselves. We were pulling our own focus. We were changing the exposure. And when you do a camera move and the did is realizing what it is and slowly doing, pulling the iris, it's not as quick as me knowing, okay, I'm going to throw to somebody over in the corner and I see it's darker over there. So I'm going to open up my exposure and pull my focus and zoom in for the shot. It's kind of multiple things going on at once. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. I mean, it's also giving me a greater appreciation that you kind of knew what you were doing, which until this moment, I didn't realize that you, thank you. you. I appreciate <laughs> that. No, but I no, but that's interesting. So in a way, because you guys were taking care of so much of it yourself, other people were just kind of getting in your way that you needed it to be more rugged, ragged, or, well, I mean, that was the feel of the show. I mean, we, we, we would lay out, you know, you'd have a director come in and you'd talk about the the shot. And it's the only, you know, there are very few shows that can, on the same lens, start with a super wide lens and then zoom in tight to someone's face in the first moment and do a whip across the room to catch somebody else's reaction. You know, it's a plus for the show is that it could look a little dirty and didn't have to be perfect. I mean, I think we were good at what we did, but you could see, you know, when things aren't, you know, right. immediately in focus or you're missing it and you're finding it, but it's all part of, you know, the show. Right. Was it a conscious decision by you? You're working in reality television. Did you want to be working in the scripted world or was this just the job that showed up? I was playing in the scripted world. I would, I would come in and operate on scrubs and a handful of other shows. I was shooting scripted, you know, low-budget feature stuff, and I enjoyed it, and it was something that was interesting for me. Ultimately, it came at the right time. You know, I ended up, I got dengue fever on Survivor Thailand. Right. And that, I was sick for, I don't know, like six months from that. It ultimately, I, I, it, it did two wonderful things for me. Number one, the girlfriend that I had that took care of me, I realized I needed to propose to. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was the most important. Yeah. Uh, uh, number two is it sort of knocked me out of reality television. I was supposed to go from that survivor to do the next season of The Amazing Race because I was bouncing back and forth between Survivor and The Amazing Race. And I physically couldn't do it because I had no energy, I had no strength. And it was a little while after that that I got the call from Randall that said, hey, do you want to come and operate on this new show? And I jumped at the opportunity. Wow. 
you know, once you're working in a particular field, you get kind of buttonholed into it and it's what you get known for and it's where you end up. And, you know, so it was nice to break that gravitational pull in that From direction and, right. and to get into scripted. Right. Um, he attributed this to Greg, but one of the things that Randall talked about was this sort of adage, everything that makes it harder makes it better. I think it was originally Einstein or something, but it, the idea was Einstein, Greg, Greg, Einstein, Randall, it's all the same. <laughs> um, that the idea that you didn't want to shoot something perfectly, like having to fight through a, a pillar that was in the middle of the room right. or, or even moving a plant over into the shot. So right. that it appeared to a make it more difficult without a doubt. Well, and it's also interesting because, you know, after takes, you would learn the script and know when the line was, you didn't want to beat a whip to somebody who had a line. You wanted a reason to have to pan over to accounting, to, to whip over to Stanley. You know, you needed that moment. You didn't want to beat it there, but, you know, sometimes you did. Well, I remember actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you guys would ask at times for uh, handles. Exactly. Right. Particularly if the line was short. Without a doubt. And a, and a handle, it would just be something as simple as a, uh, what? Or Michael? Y yeah, just something. And Michael? then it, it just gave us that excuse to do that whip to that person. Because a lot of times, you know, it's impossible to truly cover a, a, a true conversation when you got six people talking and when people talk naturally and they're saying something as simple as why yes or whatever and sure. you want to be able to get that and sell the joke so just to have a little handle on there you know gave us a fighting chance right yeah i mean it was great because the the camera was definitely a character in the show and and it was great to be a part of that and it did you know there were there were scenes that were written as a spy shot and there were scenes that were written you know okay the camera's obviously there so you can feel free to look at it but there were also scenes that i think we discovered once we shot them what felt better and what worked better and you know it might have started out as a spy shot and then someone was caught and you saw that little look to camera and a reaction and a change and a tone and um for a comedy it was very different stylistically and, you know, I think that the British show was very different stylistically. So, I mean, you know, one of my proudest accomplishments is, is being a part of this show that has, you know, become so much more than I feel like it ever was now, however many years it's been, you know, since it was on the air and that it still holds up and that the joke still lands and that the comedy is still there. Yeah. Do you remember you shot most of the talking heads? Yes, that I did. Do you remember the most difficult or some of the most difficult things that you had to shoot from a standpoint of not laughing or? So I, I'm fortunate that I am kind of a, a laughing on the inside clown and I could keep it in. And the good thing about breaking in a talking head is the camera was on a tripod, not on my shoulder. The bigger challenges was to break during scenes that we were shooting and the camera was on my shoulder. And there are some extra little shakes and giggles. Right. Um, and there's one particular scene that I remember, not a talking head of, of Steve Carell. I don't know what it was. Steve Carell saying uh, how Benjamin Franklin is a douche. <laughs> We had the Ben Franklin right. uh, impersonator. The strip, as the stripper. With the strip. Yes. Yes. And, and I don't know what it was, but I was in tears and I could not hold the camera because I was giggling so much with that moment. And that was the one true time that I broke. Now, it was a, a regular thing. Like Jen Salata broke a lot yes. when she did her interviews for the Talking Heads. Yes. We discussed she having to be banished from the room. I often, she would have to go out and, and we'd give them another eye line. 
Um, I feel like, you know, for talking heads, Rain, Dwight had the most ridiculous talking heads of anybody. Yeah, pure comedy. And without a doubt. And those were the ones that I feel like not only broke him, but broke everybody around him. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Were you consciously, I mean, you talked about the camera being a character. What characters did you like? Well, it was so funny though, because I feel like I was so invested in so much of it. And, and it became a thing that it was like, I knew that I could give you a look and throw the camera your way. And you were always there to give me a reaction. And, and I, I recall that I could have a shot of John or of Michael, and I could just peek over and catch your eye and give you that look and do a whip to you. And you would be there with some kind of eye roll or giggle or something that would make me laugh. And it was a worthwhile, a worthwhile moment, you know, and I know that it wasn't everybody that I could do that with. And I know that you and I had that relationship. Yes. And and it worked well. You know, and I know that the accounting department as a whole, knowing your guys' backgrounds, I know you guys always had your little bits that you did and that you worked really hard in trying to find those moments. I mean, in the early days, you know, all those other characters 
kind of blossomed into what they were. They were all so minimal and it was fun to find moments and to find stories that weren't necessarily there and to make more out of a moment and to be able to do it with just a look, you know, throwing the camera to you to get a giggle and then finding Angela being annoyed because you're giggling at whatever Dwight is saying at the moment, it was priceless and it made it in and it was funny. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I want everyone to know I did not prompt him to say those things. This was That was a spontaneous thing. And I have told people that you specifically – we would do like the the wide receiver quarterback nod like i got you got me i got you it's co- it's coming i told john this story and he just railed into me did like, he really oh, yeah. like we were like we're having a great scene and now you want to take credit but you know what that that was my small contribution at times to Without the a end doubt. of scenes well and and when they couldn't get it together that's it randall and i would have the running joke that we would throw to John and he would give us the number four, which was a particular look that he would give to camera. The number four? You called it the number four? Well, we had it numbered. So there were a couple of looks that were sort of the John looks. And and depending on what the scene was, we would know uh, this is a Dwight moment. Oh, he's going to give us the number four. I'm throwing to John. Uh, There it is, the number four. Well, that's that's so funny. Because my really my question about that, like, you know, if the camera is a character, then obviously you're affecting that relationship. But also, like, did you feel like Jim was more simpatico with, you know, the documentarian or? Oh, without a doubt. So, yeah, I think that Jim's character as a whole, more than anyone else, Jim was the one that had the biggest relationship with camera. He was the one truly grounded, relatable person on the show. And he was the one that I think had the best relationship with the crew and that he kind of knew what we were going through and what we were dealing with. So you could always find Jim for a look or a nod and, and you know, he got it. Right. So what was always discussed externally was the the character's relationship to the camera and whether it was there or it wasn't there or was it seen or not seen or were we trying to hide from it or whatever. Was there any discussion about you as the cameraman having an opinion or having a perspective on what you were seeing? I mean, I feel like our perspective came across in how we covered the situations. So I don't, feel like we went into it with a plan, I think something kind of grew out of it. You know, there were characters who almost never played the camera. I don't know. I feel like Mindy never really played. Yeah. And like, I think I did more than Oscar and Angela. I feel like, yeah. I mean, Creed, no. Kate, no. Not really Leslie. I mean, I, I, I feel like they were aware, but just doing their thing. You know, Michael would get caught and and he would catch the camera and see the situation that he was in and feel caught. Jim seemed to always know where the camera was at all times. Um, Kevin seemed to be aware of the camera because it was another kind of play toy for him. Mm -hmm. Dwight, it went kind of both ways. There would be times where he would kind of try to present play to the camera and, and other times where he would kind of just get caught. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like, how much did you feel open to making suggestions on the show? Well, what was interesting with the show is that, that we had, we had great directors. We had a who's who of directors come into the show. You know, when you have Paul Feig, Ken Quapis, um, Harold Ramis, J.J. Abrams. What was great, I mean, ultimately, all of these directors were my directing school. And, and my whole thing once I started directing on the show was that I, throughout my time there, I tried to pull something from each of these directors to keep with me, whether it was a, a positive thing or a negative thing that I learned. With all of these directors coming in, 
they all had such respect, which I'm thankful for, for both Randall and I to let us do our thing because we knew the show so well. And I think Charles McDougal might have been sort of the only director that was so specific with his moves. You know, he had such a vision of it that he would say, zoom into his face, down to the credit card, up to the computer, down to the keyboard, back to his face. You know, he had these uh, other times, you know, most of the directors would say, well, yeah, just cover this and make it feel, you know, like the office. Right. And Randall and I would do our thing. Right. Okay. Quiz question. Okay. You have to answer honestly. What type of scene would cause the biggest disruption in our work day or week? The, the conference room scenes were the black holes of okay. scenes. I mean, they were brilliant for what it was, but when you got the entire cast sitting in chairs and you have Michael Scott doing one of his bits and depending on what kind of mood you were in, but depending on what kind of mood John was in right. and who was messing with who, it, it would it would decide if we were going to be there for hours or if we were going to get through it. You know, but constantly people were breaking, people were messing around, people were yeah, it was chaos. Okay. That's a good answer. You you failed the quiz. Oh shit, really? Yeah, I I have said that nothing could halt production like a Jim Pam scene. Oh, see, I thought you meant an overall scene. Oh, God. There would be all sorts of huddles and groups and clearings of sets. When there would be like a Jim and Pam moment, I, I had a very specific Tom Waits impression that I would do, which would be something like, there's a discussion at the monitor. And the writers would get so aggravated, but... But it was true, though. The writers would get called. They would all come down. We would dissect the scene. We would rebuild it. It also, though, depended on who was directing and who had written it, you know, and who was present at the time. Those early Jim and Pam scenes where they were just starting or, I mean, the kiss. Oh, my God. You know, we cleared set. I feel like for an hour and a half, I think, that... that Ken, because it, it was Ken, Ken Quapis that was with them on set. And then just Randall and I came in and we were shoved in corners just to see where we would get our shots from. And we had our game plan and just getting to the point of, of rolling on that. Why do, why do you think those were so important? Well, again, I think that their relationship was such a great thing and it was a slow burn early on and they didn't want to go too far too fast and they wanted to keep it grounded and they wanted to keep it real. And I think that it was finding that exact tone that kept everybody happy, that kept their relationship, you know, on point to give it that slow build. And the great thing about their relationship is it felt real and it felt grounded and it wasn't one of these ridiculous romantic, silly things that you see in a lot of shows that just happens. It was a slow burn that basically grew fruits of their labor. Right. But you guys, I mean, it's occurring to me right now, you guys were so instrumental in telling that story because it really was just about you guys finding very, very small moments because they were so small, they were supercharged. Right. And, and with that, the cameras were always hidden. It was always at the end of the lens. You know, you would, you would be so still that the only movement in the camera would literally be your heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, I think that those moments were so well written and so well acted that it was easy for us being hidden to tell our side of that story. And then you got to tell like a fun love a couple of fun love stories with Dwight and Angela and Kelly and Ryan, which were kind of the opposite end well, of the spectrum. And, and and just the same with with uh, Ellie and Andy. Yes. You know, there were a lot of relationships that that blossomed within that that office. Yeah. Um anything specifically different about how those things were? I mean, the Dwight and Angela was really about uh you know trying to like 
fight, hunt them down. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, maybe some pairing on Survivor. Right, right. And that one was specifically fun just because of who those characters are and how they dealt with each other. And, and it was, it was wonderful in its own right. And then, you know, Mindy and, and Ryan was its own dysfunctional relationship that, you know, had other echoes of based on reality kind of <laughs> moments that yes. were, were kind of fun to, 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 to be aware of sort of. I think the with scenes. the, with the Ryan and Kelly stories, when I would, I, we would be reading an episode and a table read and I would sort of immediately go and be like, who wrote this episode again? Oh, okay. All right. I see where this one's coming from. Well, well, I had heard that there were some times where when those two were fighting in real life, that the writers would come together and make sure that there was some scene that they were making out <laughs> on set just to kind of poke the bear. Yeah. Well, that sounds like it. Yeah. Like, like Mike Schur playing Moe's. Which, which, well, the, the, and that first season where they made him grow the beard and keep it. I remember we had, there, there was like a, uh, we didn't get a shot or we needed him with the beard and he had to wear it to the Emmys or something ridiculous. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, man, no. I, I, I have some vague recollection of it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Randall leaves. Randall left, uh, and I became uh, the DP, and Sarah Levy came in. 
Sarah Levy was a camera operator and she came in and day played with us when Randall was still around, but she was also just a great fit for the show. So it was perfect to get her in, you know, right now, Sarah's doing, she did Captain Marvel. She, yeah, she works all the time. She's a rock star. Yeah. Was it a big change for you taking over that role on the show or not really? I mean, I was fortunate enough that I knew the show so well and, and had worked so closely with Randall that I, I felt like, you know, I was, I was ready and it was an easy transition to make. But then you start directing. Actually, that was before Randall left that I, I got my first opportunity. You got direct. your first opportunity during happy hour. Was it happy hour or was it, it was, it was happy hour. Sorry. Cause they, they, the name changed. Oh, sorry. At some point in time it was date Mike. Date Mike. But it got changed to happy hour. Happy hour was the episode. Yes. And that was in season six. That How did you feel episode. about that? Was that, was that something you'd always wanted to do? It or? was something I was interested in doing. Um, Greg gave a number of us our first true opportunities to direct. He gave Randall the opportunity that Randall took and ran with. Uh, he gave it to Dave Rogers, editor, to Claire Scanlon, who was an editor. But I feel like Greg gave us all these opportunities that helped step us all to you know where we are now as directors. Um, I was thrilled to get the opportunity to direct. It was great being on this show because I felt like I had so much support from the cast because they all knew me. I, you know, I, I always got some level of shit from somebody, but I felt super supported. And, um, it was also a great episode because we spent so much time out of the office. And, uh, I, I think we were in a, uh, What's the arcade name? The two names. The uh, yeah, Dave and Buster's. It was like that. Yeah. yeah, but it was a Dave and Buster. It was the Dave and Buster's up at Universal. Yes, and but the name it ended up going with was Sid and Dexter's, which are the names of my kids. And you decided Sid and Dexter's. I, well, I pitched it, and they were kind enough to accept it, <laughs> which was kind of fun. Well, that's awesome. Um, what's so great about this episode to me? is that you know he's getting set up by Jim and Pam with one of Pam's friends and he's so sweet and genuine to this woman until he realizes that he's on a date and then he goes back to his car and he puts on his Kangle hat on backwards yep and he becomes date mike he becomes this horrible horrible other person that he that Michael Scott believes is what he needs to be to make this date work. And he causes a huge scene and, you know, everything with this woman that Pam has trying to set him up with goes to pot, but he ends up ultimately making an impression with the manager of the bar and gets a phone number. So he leaves thinking he succeeded. Right. So it was ultimately a win for Michael in a very sad way. In a disastrous way. Right. Um, well, you mentioned people who Greg gave an opportunity to direct and the support that you felt from the actors because you were a part, but you know, he also gave Steve an opportunity and John and rain and myself, uh, an opportunity to direct. And I think we felt so at ease because of the support that you gave, uh, on the other side of it, it was, uh, kind of a yeah we, we kind of helped each other out without a doubt you know the 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 show was like a family because there were so many people that were on the show for so many seasons and you know to spend that much time with that many people to have lunches with everybody day in and day out to be trapped on our small set day in and day out you have no choice but to build a friendship right and i i you know it's it's the most fortunate experience i've ever had and i think i will ever have in tv you know it has truly given me everything else that has come since and it has set me up 
to deal with everything that I've dealt with and taught me, you know, to get to watch actors who start out as kids and new on set to become huge mega celebrities and junior high kids today are binge watching it, you know, day in and day out. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that my dad has all of the swag that I got from the show. Oh, you gave it to your dad? I, I gave all my stuff. So he wears the jackets, he wears the hats. And, you know, my dad is 86. He goes out to the store, or whatever, is wearing an office season two, season three jacket or hat. And no matter where he goes, he gets stopped. And somebody's like, wow, did you work on the office? Oh, right. And, and it makes him laugh and it makes him proud. And uh, yeah, it's funny. When did you hear that Steve was leaving? Do you remember? Oh, boy. Did you, when you realized that he was leaving and we went and we shot Goodbye Michael, do you remember emotions that came up? Again, because I'm not only a laughing on the inside clown, I'm also a crying on the inside clown. So it was a running joke on set to guess who was going to cry next right? On, uh, during that week. Because boy, it was, it was contagious and it just went around and there was a lot of emotion. And all I remember is going, man, we're never going to get through this week. <laughs> right. It was the end of an era, you know, yeah. the fact that he was leaving. And it was one of those things that there was that level of unsureness of, of wondering what happens now, you know, is this ship just going to immediately sink as soon as he steps off of it or can it continue to, to sail? Well, you knew directed the next episode after he left inner circle with Will. Do you remember any specific I don't know, pressure that you felt or. I hadn't realized that that was the one after he left. Yeah. What a horrible thing to do to me. <laughs> Probably just because no one else was willing to take that episode. Right. Yeah. It was all on my shoulders. How was that directing that right after Steve left? Well, again, it was, it was that whole thing that the, the show must go on. We were still marching forward. It was sad not having Steve around but we still had a job to do and you know, to, to have will there wasn't a bad thing. Right. And then the office goes to Florida and you direct two of those episodes. And I'm a little bit hurt that you didn't mention your favorite director that you worked with was me hands down who Brian. directed another one of those of, episodes. Yes. Of the Tallahassee episodes. Now as a first time director of the show, what were your biggest challenges? Well, you screwed me. I mean, that my biggest challenge was you, actually. Excellent. And I don't know if we have discussed this before, but I will tell a story. Oh, God. So in my episode, there was a little bit of Ryan actually also kind of flirting with Ellie. Right. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Aaron, uh, played by Ellie Kemper. And they decided to break into the kitchen and they were going to make a waffle. Yes. They were going to make. Uh huh. Yes. And so suddenly some people came into the kitchen uh, who worked there and they weren't supposed to be there. This was at a big hotel. So they hide under a table. Okay. And we shoot this and I'm looking and I'm very attuned to their performance under the table. And I, you know, I really felt like I did really great on my job. And we had a background performer. Oh. And we had background performers who were walking back and forth so you could see their legs and right. they were in the shot. And at one point, a background performer was standing right behind the industrial table where they were hiding under. And, um, please, can I, can I, and I'm, I'm, I have a vision now. Was this the guy that was cracking the imaginary eggs? Yes. So I'm very focused on our principal actors. You are supposedly looking <laughs> through the camera lens at what we're shooting and making sure that everything looks appropriate. And there's a background performer who for multiple takes stood above the table just in, and took a bowl and cracked imaginary eggs on that bowl and did the yolk thing and threw the eggs away and kept cracking eggs into this bowl. Right. So I go in to edit this episode and they're like, 
see the guy back there? And I'm like, what? No, BJ looks great. What do you mean? And they're like, no, the guy cracking the imaginary eggs. So they literally had to go in and, and zoom in, zoom in to now, cut out. Now, the, now the, you could only see the guy's hands. Like you couldn't right. see his face or anything else, but you could see him fake cracking. Eggs. Here's my big question. Yes. Was it my camera or was it the other camera? Actually, here's the important thing. The important thing is, is that I think we only had one camera going because we were shooting. Oh, that's them true. I think well, just I, under the I table. So you should have been watching. You either shot it or you should have been watching. I think I again was mesmerized, much by like you, by the performance. Mm, that's my of job. Those actors. That's, no, that's my job. I'm the director. Yeah, well, you need to pay attention to what you're shooting. Add it to the list, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, season nine comes. You hear the show is coming to an end. What what's your what was your feeling then? To me, it was time. It it felt right. For my career personally, it was time because then it was after this show that I stepped away from camera as a whole and just started directing. And, you know, it was interesting for me, for my career, when I got my representation, when I got my agents, uh, they said to me, okay, it's time for you to step away and just become a full-time director. And I said, you know what? The office gave me all of these opportunities. I'm not leaving them. I'm going to stay and finish the show. And, you know, I was, I was happy to be a part of it. Again, to be on a show for nine seasons is, in my mind, unheard of. It'll be the longest I'll ever be, you know, on any show. And I feel super fortunate. And I'm glad that I stuck it out and was there for the whole run of the show. So you laugh and cry on the inside. Did you, do you remember specific emotions like at the last final table read? It was a great episode. And I don't know if, how much you remember of that episode. Greg was writing up to, it was almost as if he did not want the show to end. Yes. He kept writing more and more and we kept shooting more and more and more. Yeah. Was that your first acting work? As documentary crew member? I, I was told, I was assured that they were going to replace my voice with a more masculine <laughs> documentary, documentarian voice. So I, I'm, I'm in Dwight's car, he's driving, and it's scripted that the documentarian asks him a question. And I was asking him the question, so he had someone to answer to. Right. And again, the discussion was, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll change it in the edit. Lo and behold, there's my, my first and only acting credit for anything. That is. Is the office. So I guess as things go, it's, it's not bad. What do you think is harder, acting or operating a camera? Oh, boy. I think acting is harder only because you're getting judged constantly by everybody. I feel like my operating can get judged. But only but, by like one or two but, people. But yes. But 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 nobody's judging my physical appearance. No, nobody's yeah, right. nobody's seeing into my soul. Yes. So, that's true. What are you most thankful for in the show? I mean, the show gave me so much. It gave me, you know, nine years of of regular work, which is huge in this business. It gave me basically the career that I've continued on, you know, Greg Daniels gave me my opportunities to direct. Uh, it gave me friendships with a whole lot of people that I never would have met if I hadn't have been part of the show, you know, but it, it also gave me such an amazing look into sort of the underbelly and behind the curtain of what it takes to make a show. You know, I was very privileged to get to go to meetings and get to be in rooms, get to hear conversations and get to be part of conversations that, you know, in any other case, I, I wouldn't have been right. invited to. Right. And uh, it's hands down, a, it'll be a highlight of my career. Yeah. Where do you think that you would be right now if the office had never happened? If you hadn't gotten dengue fever boy that's a very good question i i i don't want to think about that brian right. 
Right. I feel very fortunate, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I wouldn't be where I am now without the show. And I don't want to think about where I would be <laughs> without the without show. Without the show. Um, well, thank you so much. My You're pleasure. a busy big time director now. I don't, I don't know about that. You're a busy big time director. I'm happy to be working. And I, I so appreciate you coming and talking to me about these old times. It's, it's my pleasure. It's really fun. I'm sure there's other stuff that I've forgotten. Well, but, it doesn't uh, matter. Now I have one other thing. Yeah. Did you do you remember the conversation with JJ Abrams? his first day on set. No. What was the conversation? How he freaked out his first day on set. No, tell this JJ Abrams freaked out the first day on set. So the first season we shot the show in Culver city, Mm -hmm. we used the Felicity offices. Right. And when he was on our set, because it was a copy of that set, the conference room was his office on Felicity when he ran that show. And he said every time he was on the set, it freaked him out because all he remembered was that's the conference room, but that's my office. That's my office. Yeah. No, I did not remember that. Yeah. I remember that um JJ Abrams wanted to direct a whole season he of did. the show. And Greg said no. He wanted to direct a whole season. He wanted to come in and direct a whole season. How does that guy have the time to direct Gre- a whole season? I, I don't know how he, he has the time to, to do, do everything he does. Wow. I know. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember him bringing us food trucks every day. But I remember also, we had a conversation just in between takes about Coldplay. And I had mentioned I was a fan. And the next day, he comes in and he says, hey, Matt, I got you the new CD, Coldplay's new CD. I thought you might enjoy it. I was like, who are you? How, how, how can when you, did you have time to I, go get this cool yeah, place? Exactly. How can you be this nice of a person? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, so many Harold Ramis, Harold Ramis. Boy, who else? I mean, John Favreau was great. Brian yeah. Baumgartner. We, Brian Baumgartner. Um, he was unbelievable. I recall he, he, he was strong. He brought it, you know, we didn't, we weren't sure, but he brought it. Thanks, buddy. You got it, my friend. Well, there you have it. This is what I heard. Matt Sohn said that I, Brian Baumgartner, was one of the best directors ever in the history of The Office. His words, not mine. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this this mini-series on camera as character as much as I did, do yourself a favor and go back and watch an episode of the show, a scene of the show that you enjoy. And just imagine Matt and Randall holding the cameras, trying their darndest not to laugh. It's a fun exercise. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time for another installment, another chapter of... The Office Deep Dive. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producer is Adam Macias. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 